What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Welcome, everybody, to Knife Talk. I'm back. I'm sorry. I've been gone for a few weeks. Uh, but I'm here, as always, with Jeff Fader, Fader Knives, Mareko Mamasi of Mamasi Fire Arts. And we're here every Monday. Even if one of us can't make it, the other two, they haul ass. They're here every week uh, with the show. If you're a knife maker, into knives, whatever, this is the show, the only show to listen to. So thank you all for listening to us, <laughs> listen to our ramblings every week. Jeff, how are things? Things are fine. I, I want to know all about... Who cares about me? I want to know what it's like <laughs> being an international recording artist. Greg Lockwood <laughs> has been gone for a few weeks recording his master opus in, uh, in Wales with choirs. And I want to hear... We want to hear the whole thing. That, I mean, this could be a whole show. I'm, I'm just super excited. This could, I could easily talk for two hours. But people, people aren't here to listen to all this, so... We'll, 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 maybe we can do a full blast and we can talk about it in, in, in depth. In the books. We're doing it. It's in the books. But in short, it's, it's been an incredible couple of weeks. Just totally living the dream. And, um, you know, we started off with this little demo. And then we were like, okay, we can make this bigger. Let's, you know, let's add all these different... We added a choir. We added an orchestra. We added... Every, yeah, it's just... And it's turned into this eight-minute crazy, <laughs> crazy song. Which starts with, you know, gently me on a piano starting and by the end of the eight minutes all hell breaks loose and it's yeah, it's 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 a big one. So we did uh we did three songs in the studio, but that that's the main song this town is is the main one. Mm. And it was totally living the dream. The the place there so Rockfield, if for those who don't know, it's like it's the mecca of rock and roll. It's where, you know, everything was done right from, you know, Ozzy Osbourne and Bowie and uh, you know, Iggy Pop and and all these you know Bohemian Rhapsody, all these all these amazing things have been done in that studio, and it hasn't changed. You go in and it looks like a it, it just looks old and shit to be honest with you. <laughs> but there but there's but there's history there, and you feel it. You know you could definitely feel it there, and there's a certain sound to the room. Um, where even now I can put on songs and I can hear I can hear that sound. It's not when you look, it's like yep, that was recorded at Rockfield. So. It's 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 a magical place. So it's uh, yeah, my my feet haven't really touched the ground the whole time I've been here, um, and even tomorrow we've gone to sort of Abbey Road to get the mastering finished, and it's mm. it's all a complete dream, all a complete dream. Very cool. Uh, question for you: Who? I mean, Rockfield. Who owns it, and how do they keep it? What's the <laughs> mindset of like not updating it? They're, well, they're farmers, so we all know about farmers diversifying and having to diversify. But these these farmers did this in the seventies, um, and they were in a band themselves. The, the two brothers, Kingsley and I can't think of the other brother, but Kingsley's still alive. The other one isn't. Um, and they were in a band. They wanted to record themselves. They couldn't afford to go anywhere, so they they bought some kit and bought more and more kit, and to the point where if 
whereas they were recording their friends and they had more of an income recording than they did from farming. So they become the, the world's first residential um, studio. So people sure. would come and stay while they finished the whole record. Mm. As opposed to going to, you know, London, one of the flashy studios where there'd be Temptations and the press would be there. Here, you're in the middle of nowhere. Um, and, um, yeah, so they, they still own it. It's the same family still own it. And Kingsley, the owner, he'd come in every afternoon for a cup of coffee during the sessions. And he'd just tell me some of the stories wow. from the past. And, oh, crazy. Uh, yeah, and stuff that you couldn't really put on tape now. You know, it, it's just unbelievable what used to get on. You can, well, you can imagine, back in the 70s, <laughs> you know. Um, but, yeah, it's... Yeah, it's just a magical, magical place. Wow. That's how, a much long, how much longer do you have before it's all done, and then, the, and then when does the single come out? Um, mastering will be completed by Tuesday, so then it goes off to the press um, to be printed on CDs, um, and a very fast turnaround. So this, is, this will be launched, the, the release date is the 18th of November, so very, very quick. Will um, you put the option to buy in the show notes of knife talk the yeah, podcast of so people can buy it. Literally, yeah. i'm putting it everywhere okay. believe me it's going everywhere yeah because the way this the, the whole point of this is if people go to the website they'll see that i just i just want to chart just because it's been a boyhood dream so you have one hit at it really so there's been pre-orders for a number of weeks probably a couple of months now um and all these pre-orders are sort of activated on that one day which is the 18th of november and in the hope to get a good chart position on the 25th of November, which is the week after. Yeah. Wow. Mm. You must be excited. Amazingly. I mean, like I said, my feet haven't touched the floor. Amazingly excited, but um, also full. As I was just saying to you, Jeff, before we come on air, been here for two and a half weeks now, eating out every night and just, ugh, I need to have a sleep <laughs> and have a vegetable, really. <laughs> yeah. One vegetable. Feeling like crap. <laughs> Just so vegetable. when you come it's home, right when you head back home, do you think you're going to have like a kind of a adrenaline dump, or do you think you're, you think it's going to be hard to go kind of back to normal life after? Being I think it's, gonna, it's. I think it's going to be like coming home on holiday, isn't it? You've got that blue sort of. Oh, this is my life now, kind of thing. You know, <laughs> but, uh, it's fine. These it's fine. Kids. It's, yeah. Well, the thing is, the kids have gone back, so I'm looking forward to going back and obviously seeing them. So that you know, there's a bonus there at least. Yeah. Very anyway, we can get work. into detail on this another time because I could just, you know, completely sidetrack this whole show. Well, so. you come on to full blast, and we'll 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 do we'll a do whole it. deep dive. Let's do it. Okay. Okay. Mareko, how yes. the hell are you? I'm doing all right. I'm actually. Oh, I got a little bit of a cold right now. Um, you just got you just got high up on that mic, <laughs> real good. <laughs> you gave that mic a, a lip lock. It was good. Did I? Yeah, you still are. <laughs> you still are. <laughs> oh, should I not? Do I, do I need to turn it down a little bit? Um, well, maybe just back off it. Back actually, off it here, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Mareko, are you back now? Because you've been traveling as well for a few weeks. I so am we back. Sort of missed each other. You were on your way back. I was on my way out. Ships in the night, man. Exactly. Uh, yeah, no, It's uh, the trip was good. We talked about it a little bit last week. Um, and But yeah, I had a lot of fun. It was... It was um, I don't know. It's kind of revitalizing in a way that I spend a lot of time in my shop by myself and I'm a very extroverted person. Um, and so it, it really energizes me to spend time around other people and laugh and have a good time, um, and learn some things. And so, yeah, the, the trip, uh, was definitely good for me. Um, I've been back and nothing really crazy. You know, we're kind of, um, the end, this is, we've already kind of 
I don't know. I still have a few pieces I'm going to finish up and get out, but um, I've already kind of counted the year over basically at this point. Really? Yeah, oh, it's wow. great. It feels good. Um, but at the same time, I'm still a little stressed um, in, in the way that I, I just uh, – I do have a few pro- projects I want to finish up. I have some knives I need to do some spa – give some spa day loving to um, mm-hmm. for some people. And um, and I'm getting the calendar together for next year's Artisans and Steel calendar. Uh, the theme this next year is going to be culinary knives. Um, so I've been working to get a hold of people um, to be part of that calendar. It's hard because there's just so many great culinary knife makers mm, yeah. that it's hard to fit everybody. Or it's it's actually it's just not possible to fit everybody into one calendar. So I'll I'll I might have to start doing uh, the the culinary knives every other year, or incorporating them more frequently um, in other calendars because I think. I've done four calendars up to this point, and each one has had at least maybe one culinary knife maker in it. But that's still just not enough um, yeah. <laughs> to show this, to this, show love. This year's but. calendar is dead; is complete with with uh, chef knives, culinary knives. Yeah, all so chefs' culinary knives. knives sorry, yeah, culin- Well, yeah, probably not all chefs' knives, but definitely all culinary knives. Gotcha. Um, and so, working on getting those people connected, I'm working on clearing up space, like cleaning up in the shop, and kind of reorganizing the shop. Um, to to make it a little bit more feng shui, um, and also to make room for a little fifty five uh, and yang, uh, fifty five kilo is that pound? I think it's fifty five pounds, um, and yang, and um, well, you're getting an and yang. Yeah, I'm gonna get a little fifty five pound and yang from a friend who's just down the street from me, Chris Rowley, of uh, NC Knife and Tool. He's a good guy and a talented maker. Um, That's exciting. It is exciting. You're glossing over the fact that you're getting a power hammer. That's pretty exciting. Yeah. No, it's cool. It's. I mean, it's not a giant power hammer, but it, it's going to be great because I'm trying to think of like how, how what are changes I need to make if I think I want to continue doing this work for another 20 years down the road. And one of them is taking some of that forging work off of my body and putting it under under onto a tool of some sort. And so I obviously have the hydraulic press, but when it comes to forging blades, that's still a lot of physical work. And I'll still need to use the hand hammer and the anvil, um, you know, for tuning things up or cleaning up the profile. But uh, using that in kind of conjunction with the power hammer, especially the little 55, will really help with uh, forging out those blades. And it'll also help with pattern control. Um, you, you get a little bit more better control and cleanliness and forging when you're forging under a power hammer versus a press or by hand, especially when you're dealing with mosaic patterns. Um, so I'm I'm looking forward to that. Well, and then the big project this last week has in, in conjunction with the other stuff going on is just um, replacing or fixing my my uh, <laughs> squirrel cage uh, ventilation fan. I I underestimated how expensive ventilation fans are, and uh, to replace that squirrel cage with the same thing from like Granger or McMaster or something like that, is like three hundred and fifty to five hundred and fifty dollars, and so I had to put it put some elbow grease into the thing and and replace its the axle broke on it, and so I had to get a new axle that the fan rolls on and the and holds the pulley and all that stuff, and uh, I went and I had an option to use. High, uh, what is it? Either drill rod or just uh, like hot rolled or cold rolled mild steel. And I actually went with the W1 drill rod because 
you had to get a three foot length and I didn't need the excess like 18 or 20 inches of mild steel rod. But if it was, uh, you know, the W1, which is basically like W W two high carbon steel. Mm, so it's usable in the waste. Yeah. So I can, I can turn those into some nice little forged, forged blades. Um, so even though I think, I think the hot rolled was $20 or $22 and, and the W one was $40. So it costs basically, uh, twice as much. Um, but I'll take, I'll be able to take half of it and make use of it somewhere else and, and make that money back. So, gotcha. yeah. um, but it's coming together nicely and I'm excited to get it rolling again because, uh, properly ventilated grinding room is super important. <laughs> Yeah, um, definitely, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so amazing. You're you you getting set for Christmas already. Seven weeks today, Christmas. By the way. Yeah. Wait, what? Damper on it, damper on everybody. But uh, yeah, seven weeks. Anyway, seven we've got weeks. questions. We've got a bunch of questions. Um, but before we do, let's tell everybody about Even Heat. Even Heat, they make the world's best knife ovens. We've all got them. We know how great they are. But we've managed to get a discount for you. So if you go to knifetalk.net forward slash heat. Um, you'll be able to get $75 off and free shipping in the US. That's by shopping at Soul Ceramics, and they're a distributor of Even Heats. We all know how great they are. Let's go on with some questions then, shall we? Um, before we get into questions, um, I wanted to bring up just real quick um, that uh, t- Tom of, uh, let's see, it's Crooked River Forge, uh, he competed on Fortune Fire, but he's been battling cancer for the last few years, I believe, and he just lost his battle, um, I think yesterday. So I just want to send love to his family and his loved ones that you know are obviously mourning him right now. Um, and he's a really great guy. Looking through his feed and, and interacting with him personally, um, he's just been nothing but super positive through all of this. Um, so go over to Crooked River Forge and just if you if he's ever had if you've had a chance to meet him he's had an impact on you um, go send him uh, or I guess the to the memory of him and to uh, to his wife to see all these kind messages of interactions with with Tom because um, yeah it's you never know when you're gonna go and mm. and uh, he it's it's been amazing to watch him cope. And deal with this, all of this with grace, yeah. uh, with as much grace as he has had, um, because it's hard to, I can't even imagine what it's like to just be like, yeah, I basically am going to die any minute and, and then try to cont- continue to conduct yourself in a somewhat normal way, uh, in the day to day. Right. So, um, yeah. yeah. Good dude. Good dude. Yeah. I had a, a number of little conversations with him and uh it is a very very sad thing and obviously we send our and a lot of people have been sending me messages about it and you know good he's a great guy and uh he'll be very missed in this community and is for sure we're all sending our our positive love towards him and his family so yeah thoughts with the family definitely yeah Okay. Um, well, we've had a question from Crooked Creek Knives. Um, hey, cuties, thank you for the hours of quality entertainment. Really? Uh, he's got a question for consideration. What are your realistic expectations of a knife? Uh, you've talked to butchers constantly sharpening their knives to super steels. You barely touch. Last night, processed a deer with a leaf spring blade. He said, I understand the problems with salvage steel and had to strop halfway through. Um, 
<laughs> There's a joke there. Is it realistic uh, to make carbon steel blades that process multiple animals or chop hundreds of pounds of onions without touching them? What are your thoughts? So let, let's start by breaking this down a bit more. So a carbon steel blade, what is the sort of hardness that you, you guys would generally go for? I'm I'm typically shooting for like 60, 60, 60 to 62 Rockwell. Um, because my culinary knives typically are not hard use knives. Yeah. Um, and if I had a knife that was going to be hard used, I would probably temper things back just a little bit or harden from a slightly lower temperature. Um, and, and try to shoot for more around 60, 58 range, um, for just a little bit more toughness, but still quality, um, ability or the ability to hold a de- hold a decent edge yeah jeff your your bull elk knives what, what are you shooting for well i mean i'm it depends on the steel but i'm i'm usually i'm i'm in the 59 59 is kind of where i want to be uh, especially for yeah. culinary stuff um yeah you know the weirdest part is is like actually uh uh josh smith was was just t- saying that he's got a new program where you're going to need your knife sharp and send it to me. And it was very, very good because it was this concept of like, look, let's just face it. These things need to be sharpened in order to meet the expectations that you're looking for. Mm. Knives got to be sharp. So knives got to be sharpened. So um, I think the expectation is that it all depends on what you do. I mean, I, I've talked, I was dealing with some butchers who they, they sharpen their knives more than twice a day. You know, they're constantly like breaking down animals and blah, 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 blah. and it's it's very like, you know, it's a whole production. So they were sharpening their knives down to like, you know, unrecognizable you know, toothpicks. Yeah. And right. it's like it, it all depends on what you expect, what you want to do. There are companies out there now selling sell, selling uh, replaceable blades like exacto knives for mm, hunting wow. because it's like. Yeah. Why bother sharpening when you can just like throw that blade, discard the blade, and put like like if you if you go to a doctor, they're using surgical scalpels, and the scalpels are rechargeable. They're not sharpening scalpels; they're throwing them out and getting new ones. Hmm. So, and I mean, it all depends on what your expectation is. I would think. Yeah. What do you think? Well, yeah, pretty much like you said. Um, you know, there's always that trade-off between sort of hardness and durability. And it's, you know, interesting what you said there about, you know, butchers, they'll use a knife and they're sharpening so often that it goes down to a toothpick. But if we're looking at something like a chef knife, which you use in the home, you know, they'll last a lifetime without that happening. So it, yeah, it completely depends on, I mean, I mean, he's talking here about, you know, processing deer and stuff. So with a carbon blade. Um, so yeah, like you, I'd shoot for sort of 59 and so on. Um, but yeah, it just needs constant, it will need constant... Um, Constant champion. What yeah. is it? What is it but, about the deer or the animals that makes that that dulls? Is it what is dulling the knife on like something like an animal? I suppose they're touching bone a lot, aren't they? And bone right. would be almost like a ceramic. You know, it's gonna just dull your edge. Yeah, I I, I would also agree. That I th- I think it's the contact with the bones. Um, because I mean, <laughs> if you had a choice of a cutting surface, you wouldn't use a bone, right? You would use wood like a wood cutting board right um and it's just and obviously i don't think the bone is necessarily harder 
than the the material and the blade, but it is a harder material than what you would typically be cutting on. And we got to remember that at the apex of our blade geometry after they're sharpened, uh, while the steel is maybe a certain high, uh, high hardness and it's got carbides in it that help also with retaining kind of an edge and with wear resistance, you know, you're impacting those things against something hard. They're eventually, it's just going to, it's, it's part of regular maintenance is that those wear down, they, they get abused and used and uh, sharpening is just a regular part of taking care of your knife, like changing the oil in your car. Honestly, like I don't know how people, and maybe it was Ginsu who did this shit, but it's like people have been marketed into the idea that if it's a high quality knife and it's, or it's an expensive knife, it never needs to be sharpened. And that's not fucking realistic. I mean, you still got to change the fucking oil in a Bugatti, right? Otherwise that thing is going to blow up. And it's just, yeah. it's just part of just owning the tool and having a relationship with that tool and, and taking care of it in a meaningful way so that you can keep using that thing over and over again. It's, it's interesting you bring up Ginsu because I've always been fascinated with Ginsu because that was really the, one of the first, I mean, growing up in the 70s and 80s, that was one of the first knives that was, that was marketed generally to people at home watching TV. I mean, you didn't see Wusthof ads on TV. You didn't see... No these Sabatier ads, you saw Ginsu. And the idea was, is they were really marketing a knife to people that they knew wouldn't sharpen knives anyway. So we know you're not going to sharpen a knife. So <laughs> why even, so don't, here you don't even have to sharpen this one, it's going to stay sharp. And he's cutting yeah. through shoes and they're cutting through cans. And I'll never forget yeah. the sh cutting through shoes and then through a tomato. And then it's like, <laughs> and then the cans. And it's just like, they used their fucking heads, which was like, Americans don't like to, sharpen knives they don't know how to sharpen knives so let's give them a knife they don't have to sharpen we're going to mark it as you don't have to sharpen this knife hmm. and if you look at the, you know shopping channels now that they've always got knives on now you know it's it's a we're probably one of the most popular things i've thought my family always had those and they have a different type of it's not like a serration it's almost like this laser cutting tooth it's like these like it's 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 a finer thing that a grinder isn't do, or or some kind of grinder. Mm. Who knows what kind of grinder is doing it? But I mean, it what really it was something that overtook the the idea of of what you need in the kitchen. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Comprehensive answers there for crooked creek knives. Who wants to take the next one? I'll take uh, it. Uh, I think it's cursed. Curse Edge Knives. He says, hey, dudes, great show. Been listening to the archives. Uh, lone working eight hours a day. Uh, you are three of the voices in my head. All right. So the question. Uh, back to my question. I have started playing with Damascus slash laminated steels. Laminated steels by hand. Mr. Malmasi. Oh, apparently this is targeted towards me. Oh, sorry. No, it's not. All right. Mr. Malmasi spoke about the unnecessary... Uh, clean up between forge welds on a previous show. Any chance he could elaborate, please? I remove I remove all decarb and scale and grind flat between welds, which makes uh, takes some time. I'd like to speed up my process. Great show, gonna start a journal, uh, and soon so can so I can keep up keep up with the hints and tips. Uh, I think he's making a diary joke. Always a great show. Cheers, guys. All right, so. Uh, so he's asking about cleanup between uh, materials. So in my initial billet layup, or actually, Jeff, you, do you have anything you want to say? 
about your no. Damascus layups? I don't fucking lay anything up. <laughs> what are you, I, I've, up I've laid up. I just. I don't want to just jump. Assume that. All right, that's fine. This is all. This is all. I tell you. I tell you what I would do is <laughs> okay, if I were to. If I were, what I would do is I would use combat abrasives in between my layups. And if you go to combatabrasives.com, put in the promo code uh, knife talk fifteen, you're gonna get fifteen percent off all your belts and your abrasives. Back to you, Vareko. That is 100% what I do, uh, except for in my initial layup. So I'm never worried about small burrs or mill scale from wherever I'm buying my steel from. Sometimes I even just, like, if it's got a sticker on it, I don't even give a shit about the sticker. Uh, one thing I will grind off, if there's anything on there, is paint. Because uh, some paints have uh, chemicals or additives like potentially like zinc that will keep the material from welding together properly. So if there is paint, I'll probably clean the paint off. But other than that, I'm not worried about anything. I don't do any pre-grinding of my bar stock before my initial weld up. This is the very first weld up um, that leads into your Damascus pattern. Now, after that, I, uh, I do def, I definitely clean off the forge scale, but there are a couple different ways that you can do it. You can do the traditional way, which is hitting it on your combat abrasives and ripping off that forge scale bark. That's that black, heavy bark uh, forge scale that builds up on the outside of your billet um, and clean it up. Um, if I know I'm going to go through several welding processes, as in like at least three and upward and anything above, then probably that first round of welding, I'll just clean off, like I'll clean off basically everything uh, like 99% but sometimes there's little spots where forge scale is just a little bit deeper than everything else and it honestly is not worth chasing it's not necessary to chase it especially if you're going to go through a couple more forge welding processes um the other way of cleaning up that forge scale is to use phosphoric acid so you can go to home depot or lowe's and you can get uh, i think the company is clean strip and they make a chemical um that is a phosphoric acid-based chemical that's meant for uh, preparing concrete or steel for paint uh, and etching. And so it's called concrete uh, and steel paint prep, I believe. And it's kind of like a blue or a green kind of shape or a color. Um, and anyways, I usually put maybe a pint of that to a gallon of water. So I dilute it back because you don't need all of it uh, to get it to eat that forge scale off. Now, if you want it to happen really quick then yeah, you're going to want all of it. Um, but I usually try to time it. If I'm going to use the phosphoric bath, I'm going to finish my forging at the end of the day or not worry about coming back to it until the next day so that it sits in a tube um, with that phosphoric acid and it basically eats it all away um, so that the next day when I come in, I can clean off that forge scale with a, like, with a toothbrush. And then, but even after, even after I clean it, you know, rinse off all the, the forge scale, um, there's sometimes is a little bit of forge scale or even some, I don't know, dark stuff, uh, dark etching uh, from on the surface. So I'll still hit it either with a wire wheel or with a scotch bright belt just to brighten it up and clean up that surface. But then I'll just cut it up and, and start stacking them back together that way. Um, but that is my general cleanup between forge welding rounds. I guess the last thing I'll add is when I do my final, what I know is going to be my final round of forge welding, whether it's mosaic tiles or whatever, I like to clean the material up at least to 220, um, 220 grit. 
um, because um, I've, it's just the cleaner and the flatter and the truer your surfaces are that are going to be forge welded together, the easier it will and more readily it will come back together and want to stick together. Um, and there's, you know, it doesn't take long to clean things up to 220 grit. And uh, I have I've had things fail on me um, from trying to go for too rough of a finish, a cleaning finish before um before that final weld up and it's honestly it's just me either either trying to experiment and see what i can get away with and learning the hard way and discovering that that doesn't work or um or or just i guess being stingy on time or material or you know belts or whatever i'm trying to conserve belts or something maybe um but i found that i gotta you just gotta take it to like especially at that final round you really just gotta take it to 220 to get things to stick nice um because otherwise you the you're you're taking an unnecessary gamble or raising the risk i guess generally of things not sticking together properly and losing all that time and work you've put and, in yeah. yeah yeah exactly and losing all that have you ever noticed oh sorry no go on i was just again another very comprehensive answer that's it the show's over we did it yep. <laughs> oh fucking good let's go uh, uh, what i was gonna say is, is i've noticed sometimes and i when i was heat when i heat treated uh stainless steel if there's even sharpie marker on it the sharpie marker doesn't burn off like i had to like really be careful in regards to that because their sharpie doesn't you know our ink some inks don't burn off like you'd think they would it Sure. 2,000 degrees. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's, I mean, yeah. do you have any, <laughs> why is that happening? I have no idea why that's mm. happening. I've, I have, I use the, uh, industrial Sharpie markers and, um, and I have sat there and watched like writing on the outside of the billet continue to stay there until the billet was, yeah, at least, you know, 1800 degrees, close to 2000 degrees. It's pretty astonishing. Um, but I haven't, I haven't noticed that marker has an effect on how well things, at least the like a standard Sharpie pen, um, at how it affects things forge welding together. Well, it definitely acts as a resist to a certain degree. Yeah, I've I've done I've drawn like patterns and designs on Damascus, and then etched it etched the Damascus in um, in ferric, as and basically used the ink as a selective. Uh, resist and then and then clean the damas or clean the whole thing off, clean the ink off, and you have these bright areas that are aren't etched, and then you have these de- deep textural areas that have been etched. Mm. Yeah, if it's I'm interesting. Heat treating, which I always do before I grind anyway. <clears throat> I always I always use my my broadback um, surface grinder um, and take that to about two twenty anyway, simply because a lot of the time they'll be they'll be sort of waxed or they they. The material will be waxed, or it'll have some sort of coating on sometimes, sure. and sometimes for like a plasticky coating. So I always, I always use a surface grinder quickly anyway, just just really quickly, just to just give it every, make everything look clean um, before I put it in the in the oven anyway. But um, brought back Ironworks to a great surface grinder, um, really cheap, um, and they'll work with um, any grinder as well because those arms are universal. And if you want to hear the story of brought back, um, listen to Jeff's full blast this week. Um, because Ryan and Vince were on there, and I was I was amazed by their sort of origin story of you know how they met and how they started the company and so on. It's it's yeah, it's it's a really good listen. So go and listen to that too. And if we're gonna do it, the, the November 
20th to the 27th is the Black Friday sale. So, guys, if you're going to get yourself on board with Broadback, if you're thinking about it, if you're thinking about it and you're thinking to yourself, well, now what are we going to do? You go get yourself some of that Broadback Ironworks, uh, Broadback Ironworks, Two by seventy-two, and know that they also have a discount uh, not not on the on the uh, on the uh, Black Friday special. Two hundred dollars off if you use Knife Talk two hundred uh, for the uh, Max Premium and Mega, and Knife Talk one hundred gets you a discount a hundred dollars off on the sharpening system, surface grinder, and sewing and leather sewing machines. But uh, get involved with their uh, they got a great uh, they got a great Black Friday special, and it's going to be very very soon. So. Right. Cool. Okay, we've got another question from uh, I think it's Must Spell Knives. Um, hey guys, good work on the podcast. I have a question: Have you ever had Corby bolts that are hollow when you grind into them? He's bought about two hundred pieces, and eighty percent of them he couldn't use. Oh, um, could you recommend someone who sells solid Corby screws? Well, so I mean, this is I've had, I've had crappy ones that have you know they've sheared themselves; the head will shear off. When you're trying to when you're trying to screw them in, but I've never had them hollow once ground. I have, and really? I actually oh. have gotten a knife from a very well known knife maker who kept, kept he ground through the the Corby and left it and left it with the hole in it. So oh. what what so Corby bolts are machined, and different companies make them. And when these knife s- s- suppliers get them, they get them in batches, and they can't possibly know. So if you don't know what a Corby bolt is, it's two. It's like a, a male and a female, and then they have a shank, and then they have this the ed, the where you screw it in, and then once it's all glued up, you can kind of cut it off, and it looks like a rivet. But really, what it is is a mechanical fastening device. Now it's the female end that mm-hmm. it should end the the it should be solid at the end of the threads. But sometimes mm-hmm. the way these guys mill them or wherever they're being milled, they go past. Uh, the threading. So if you're grinding off and you're leaving yourself, I don't know, like uh eighth of an inch of, of, uh, of the head. Corby itself. Yeah. The head, you'll see a little hole. I've had that happen a pile of times. And then what I've done in the past is, and, and these knife sh- companies who are getting them, they can't test every single one. What I would, what I was starting to do was I would take a little nail and I would stick it into the female end of the Corby bolt and then kind of do a rough measurement just to make sure mm. that they were, that, that I wasn't yeah. going to, that I wasn't going to find one of those because it's a huge pain. They're not hard to remove. Actually, they're pretty easy to remove if you drill a little hole in there and then you get a reversing. They have these, uh, they're these tools that it's like a, a rev- it's, it's an, it's like a, a screw extractor, puller, screw extractor. They come out pretty easy as long as you know you put a. You, if you here's how you do it: you drill a hole through that hole, then you put clamps on your blade. If it's assuming that it's glued together, you want to put clamps on the blade because if you want to, you don't want to start jerking around on it, and then all of a sudden the whole, your scales come off. But if you you can you can drill through the hole, use the screw extractor, pull them out, and then replace them, which I've done in the past. I cannot suggest you. I can't suggest the person that are a company that sells them sometimes they get bad batches what i would say is figure out how many you have and call the company up and say i've just bought all these and they are bad and usually they'll replace them yeah. so i've had that happen a few times and the good thing is is if you tell the companies all of a sudden they start to rattle the cages where they got them sure. and then they're going to be because they don't want to give you a refund and they don't mm-hmm. want to replace yeah. them so 
they're they become aware that there is a manufacturing problem and then they'll kind of take care of it. I have a question for you guys. When you're using your Corby bolts, do you ever trim down the either the male or the female side to make sure that you're losing as I guess as little of the cap as you possibly can or the head of the screw? Um yeah, I do um on table knives sometimes if mm-hmm. they're thinner. And um, I've got some sacrificial ones where I've, been, I've cut them right down, and I've just used a Corby, and I've put like a like a, a place but a dry screwdriver a slot, you know. I got you. Um, so I, I use them quite often if I want to if I want to finish the handle, you know, to a, to a certain sort of level before putting the Corbys in and grinding them back down. Sure. Um, but yeah, so I have done. But generally, with most knives, the, the thick that you know the thickness is about right. You can just put them in and grind off, and you're done. One thing I'll say about Corby's is I love them, and I stick to brass for a couple reasons. One, I think the color is really nice, but also they're easier to machine, I I find, and they're easier to kind of work with. And you don't end up with like a kind of like a proud lump after you've sanded them down. Stainless ones are a bitch to work with because when you try to get a decent finish on them, it generally sort of erodes away all the material around it first. So it's it's, it's horrible. Yeah, you get a lump. You get a lump. One thing I will suggest is is be aware when you're using and a lot of times you can buy them different sized shanks. So the female end is really what's supposed to be going through your steel. And I think about it like I want the Corby bolt to be countersunk enough that I'm covered all the layers of material and then it's going the the shank part, the th- the female end that has the the shank I would guess is going all the way through so when I'm tightening it down like it would be it would be, it's lay the the steel is kind of laying on the the shank itself not on the threads mm-hmm. you can get caught up thinking all right well I got a couple threads in that's good enough but you really want to kind of try to figure out a system in place where your the thickness of your handle material the thickness of your steel and corresponds with the corby bolt so it's sitting correctly because you just don't want to be like on thin ice with those things yeah and i generally because you know working in batches everything should be pretty much the same i'll generally just set like a like a depth thing on my on my drill press so when i'm drilling i know that the shoulder is going to go to a certain depth you know and then you know it's it's Mm -hmm. it's a dry fit up to make sure they'll work i have a, a sneaky trick if just in case your handle scale this is a real helpful episode we're not talking we're not doing any dick jokes we're serious and we're talking all real shit. If you, for some reason, you drilled your holes, you know, you have your steel, your 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 full tang knife, you have the holes, you have heat treated, you're putting the handle scales together, and if there's just some little inaccuracy. Maybe it's your drill table, maybe it's the scales or whatever. If you get some of those carbide Dremel bits, the bigger ones, and if you put them in your drill press, they go slow enough usually that you can wallow out a hole easier on the hardened steel with those. I've been doing that lately, and it's been like if I have a little bit of a, if I want to make a little bit of slot, if there's a, like a little bit of tightness, that I, want, I, don't, I don't want to be fooling around when I'm gluing up, I put one of those Dremel bits. It's not a Dremel bit. It's like a, it's like a die grinder bit. You can get, you know, kits of die grinder bits. You know, they have like, it's, I guess it's like a quarter inch shank or something like that. They fit in your drill bit, and your drill bit is going a lot slower than a die grinder is. I've had the die grinders, and they're going like so fast, you think the whole world's going to end. You know, mm-hmm. and, and uh, if you put it in a, just a regular drill press, 
you're getting enough bite and torque that you can really move in a little bit of material without overheating the steel, without putting yourself in danger, and you can make fast work, real fast work, without having to heat up your tang or having to soften it or anything like that. Mm. That was a move. Top tips. That wow. was a move. I got a couple more, but I, I, we, I think we got to, we, you know, how many more years can we do this? I got <laughs> yeah. you know, edge them out to bit. We got a long way to go. I can't give them all away in this episode. <laughs> all right, let's let's do one more question, oh, Jeff. But, you want to read well, the actually, one, but, but Mareka, you use Corby's. You use Corby's for your butt caps. Uh, yeah, I've used them. Yeah, as as, as, uh, as a, that wasn't as, even that funny, you fucking wacko. <laughs> that wasn't even that good. I mean, I it wasn't even like screw them in right tight in there. <laughs> now it's funny. Now it's funny. Uh, I have used them as what I like to call pummel nuts. Or a tang nut. Uh, your um, caps and tang nuts. It gets, get, get yeah. um, but I've also just used them in the tang, uh, like a conventional way uh, as well. And when I'm doing full tang knives, I 100% use uh, Corby's, though I'm about to run out of my uh, my bronze Corby's. I had I had a a, a custom set of <laughs> Corby's built made for me, and I'm almost out of them now. I'm a little bit scared, but yeah, yeah. I use Corby's. I use the what is it? The three sixteenths shaft um, for the quarter inch head. Oh, yeah, the quarter inch head. So the kind of the, like the smaller Corby's, but not the smallest, of course. Um, the the mid size, I guess. The mid range. The weird thing is, is when you're buying them, Corby's, like the smaller ones are more expensive than the bigger ones. I found with the bronze, with the brass. They're probably a little trickier and time consuming yeah, to make. To manufacture, I would have thought. Yeah, yeah. I don't like that. Yeah, I've often wondered how they're made, actually. But um, they're machined. Yeah, but even even so, on like, yeah, milled like a lathe. What you know, it's yeah, Cause they're, they're so small and intricate. You know, and those tiny little threads. And the price is going up. Yeah. Price is going up. Yeah. All right. Well, we can keep <laughs> I mean, we can here's what we can do, guys. We have we have listener feedback. We also have uh tough dilemmas or we can keep going with questions. It's up to you. Right, let's do one more question and then maybe we can do some listener feedback. If okay. we want to do Paul Jansen. Okay, Paul Jansen says, I've been starting to do some copper Damascus knives, and I've been using 15N20 as an outer layer and 1084 in, for the core, so after the etch, there's a, there's a contrast in all the layers. Instead of using two high-carbon steels and burning through my supply of knife-quality steels, could I use mild steel on the outer layers and just make sure I have high-carbon as the core? Will the forge welding be different using mild steel and would it quench differently too? I know Jeff thinks they're they're the crossfit of the knife world, but it's what the customer wants. I am for what the customer wants. So that's, <laughs> a, that's all you, Mareko. I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. That's me again. Uh, well, I mean, I'm, yeah, yeah. The carbon or the uh, the mild steel potentially can cause an issue. Um, although I'm trying to think. No, actually, it pro- it probably won't cause too much of an issue. The issues, the big issues, especially when it comes to quenching, is things trans transforming at, at different rates uh, from each other. Um, your mild steel um, is is commonly used, actually, uh, co- commonly 
to what is it to jacket like a sanmai um especially in even japanese tra- traditional japanese style blades um but typically also in those more japanese style um this the core steel they're using is something that quenches fast and i think there might be something to that because i know people who make sanmai with like say 52100 as the core um have had issues even when the 52100 is like forged down to maybe only a 16th of an inch thick or or thinner actually uh as the core causing issues with the jacketing material on the outside not transforming at the same rate um and i know it seems wasteful to use the carbon steel um but you know that the carbon steel is going to transform at a or you know expand and contract at a similar rate as the core material that you're using and even the 15 and 20 that you're using is cladding on either side of the core um i actually think that the the potential issue will be the copper and how the copper is going to adhere um and also how it affects um or you know how when it's going through the you know the heat up and the expansion and, and and then the contraction of the material when you quench it again um but I guess you could also just try it. Um, but you you do see a lot of people using high carbon steel in in with the Damascus, I guess. Um, if you're going to use any kind of quote unquote low carbon steel, I would maybe go for 1045, but maybe not necessarily mild steel because that is just a, such a low carbon content that. Um, it it could be an issue in the heat treating process for sure. The 1045 you could still use as part of your patterning aspect without wasting good high carbon steel uh, or blade steel and the cladding uh, where it's never going to see basically any quote unquote action. And charge these motherfuckers. <laughs> that, that's what it comes down to. It's like, you yeah. know, pennies on the dollar. Don't fuck around. And when I make jokes, I'm making jokes. That's all. Go ahead. Go where the money is. I'm with you. But charge these motherfuckers. Uh, uh, he's mentioning uh, copper Damascus. So I'm assuming that's just copper way away from the edge. That's not doing any sort of edge work at all. So sure. is this purely decorational? There's, is there any other purpose to it? There is not. No, right. it's okay. it's definitely aesthetic. Um, and it's uncommon. I mean, it's becoming more common as more and more people are using it. Um and but yeah it i think if anything like copper is so uh reactive that the galvanic reaction that happens between materials that allow them to etch is a lot more um intense with copper included in the material so you wouldn't want copper to be a knife that's like constantly exposed to moisture either on a boat or as a dive knife or anything like that yeah, yeah, yeah. because um that kind of that electrical reaction that causes the materials to etch will continue to corrode way more aggressively with the copper because it is so much more conductive than even like the difference between 15 and 20 and 1084 or or stainless versus carbon steel you know um so that is definitely something to take into consideration do you think that, that copper, because you know, in in cooking, a lot of times when people are making uh, egg whites, they're full, they're they're whipping up egg whites. You use a copper bowl because of the reactive quality. Mm-hmm. Do you think in a knife that there'd be any kind of reactive qualities to the food? 
Sure. Anytime moisture is bridging those those lines, the, say on the face of the blade, there's uh, a vein of of carbon, uh, sorry, copper running along the face, and then right next to it, adjacent to it, is any kind of, and honestly, carbon steel or fifteen and twenty or whatever. Uh, anytime there's any kind of moisture, kind of bridging those pieces, there's a potential galvanic issue and it's i think a, a, a smart move would honestly be to kind of use nickel as a barrier between copper and any other materials um for that reason uh because the copper in direct contact with uh a, a kind of a conventional more conventional steel uh it's definitely going to over the over time in use is going to cause a lot of issues um even if it's in a hunting knife and there's you're using the knife to skin or gut the animal and you know it's exposed to all the the blood or whatever kind of other stuff is coming off the animal um and that th that moisture cross creating a connection basically between the copper and the other cladding material um can encourage that a kind of the electronic process of of etching the blade and 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 kind of corroding at those weld joints because ultimately that's what's happening is we're, we're when we're etching a blade especially a damascus blade we're intentionally corroding and etching the surface to reveal the pattern um and with more conductive materials like copper copper it is a lot more aggressive um even outside of a kind of a standard copper etch it, like again it could just be salt water it could be whatever you know it could just be your hand oils that touch got left on the blade and and that will create a, a high level higher level of corrosion or etching uh, than it would have typically have caused in a different blade and then all your, your dinner is going to taste like a bag of pennies yeah. yeah. Yeah, sucking on a bag of pennies. Yeah. Here you go. So, so let's put the bets in. Which which deck is gonna be the first to have <laughs> the two, two copper veins about? two copper veins running through their running through their cheek of their knife? What the fuck? They go are you into stick about? an LED in the handle and they'll use their fucking total boat or whatever clear resin to stick an LED in there and when you cut a lemon it's gonna light up the LED. Why mm. are you saying Some what? dick is gonna do that soon, I'm telling Who's you. Who's the dick? It's the kind of thing I would have done. Oh. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. You can still do it. <laughs> yeah. You can still you do can, it. I can imagine somebody doing it. Yeah, it's the, it's the, uh, the lemon light on the end. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Well, we can go questions. We can go, uh, <laughs> we can keep talking about your veiny dicks if you want. <laughs> or we can talk about 
tough dilemmas, listener feedback, keep going. Whatever you Let's do want. listener feedback then. Let's do it. I tell you what, before we do, let me tell everybody about TexasFarriersupply.com. Um, they've got everything you could possibly need as a knife maker or even as a farrier. Um, but what they do definitely stock is in Dasa Rhinoet, which is the stuff that dreams are made of. It's the sandpaper of the superstars out there. It's the stuff that everybody uses because it's the best. It saves you time, saves you money. Get some of that in Dasa Rhinoet from TexasFarriersupply.com. As I say, they've got everything you could possibly need. If you use Knife Talk 10, you'd also get 10% off at the checkout too. That's a hell of a deal. And it looks like they just had their hammer in, yep. uh, which we had mentioned and talked about before. And it looked like it was a good time. Jay Nielsen was there. Uh, it looked like they had some good demonstrators doing some fun stuff. Um, so congrats, guys. I hope it was a good time. Cool. Very good. Well, if you guys want to send messages or interact with the podcast, go on Instagram and follow us, Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram, where you can send questions, tough dilemmas, listener feedback. Here's some listener feedback. This one's from Nick Alpin. Guys, quick aside, I'm in the Orlando Burbs with nobody to talk to or learn from about knives. So it's me in the garage figuring things out, making mistakes, and improving over time. That a bit about Fiona had me laughing the last episode was great. And then we're, bitch. <laughs> to listen to, we just let me finish the story, you fucking guy, because I got a lot of problems too. Um, it was the last episode was great, and there's always nuggets that help us stock removal guys out. Thanks for taking my dilemmas as well. Hope you have a great week. Yeah, the Fiona episode was funny, but I did get some not happy people too. So really, okay, well, maybe I that's mean, in the feedback, is it? Well, okay. it's fine. I it was funny, but you know, let's keep onward. Uh, Ugly Duck Knives and Leather says, listening to the first episode based on recommendations from Stu at underscore, oh, at uh, Rule 9 Knives made me sorry I never listened sooner. Belated thanks for doing this. Um, Ronald Knives says, I can't say I've ever asked too many, quote, background check questions about a customer looking to buy knives from me. I guess in a few episodes ago, we were talking about uh, background checks or not, we weren't saying it, but people were wondering what you do, you know, what do you do with your customers? I don't necessarily think too much about what they want a custom knife for. That said, the guy who is reaching out wanting a, quote, unmarked, untraceable hatchet. Wait, wait, with that said, wait, hold on a second. With that said, the guy who reached out wanting a, quote, I guess is asking Ronald Knives for an unmarked, untraceable hatchet that could fit under the front seat of his truck and needs to be capable of coping through a human femur, does not own one of mine, and hopefully never will. Jeez. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we also, if Go you're going to use it to hurt somebody, wouldn't you want it to be a generic item rather than a very unique one-of-a-kind piece? Yeah. <laughs> An expensive custom knife bill for yeah. Mr. Dharma, please. Right. Yeah. And, and probably, you know, probably don't say human. Yeah, I would have. That's like <laughs> um, Plumley Knife says, "Fat Fiona, Fat Fiona, put the chips down." Had me laughing so hard I had to turn you guys off for a moment to <laughs> regain my composure at work. It's hard to make pretty welds if you're crying. Thank you for another success. I also tuned into Jeff's Instagram live before you guys recorded last week when bolognese was brought up, and someone described it as Italian chili. I later asked. <laughs> <laughs> I later asked some Italian friends who grew up on Long Island if that was a good description. The husband was so mad and offended, and it cracked me up. That's awesome. Um, and this is probably my favorite listener feedback of all time. All time. This one comes from Facundo Roar. 
from Argentina. This guy, fucking, this is fucking awesome. I'm catching up on the podcast. It's been a couple months of hard work around here. I want to thank you for all things I learned from this podcast. For example, I just learned that kidney, sco- kidney stones come through your dick. It, it makes so much fucking sense. It's a fact that I had never stopped to think about, LOL. Have a great week. I hope I can catch up for the next Monday. Greetings from Argentina. I could not find which episode... Craig, we were talking about uh, we were talking about where kidney stones come from. Yeah, and you you seem to have thought that kidney stones go out your butt. And I we... think I re- I said about <laughs> shitting out a kidney stone. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, you had no yeah. idea. I, that... Again, I'm 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 with this guy. I'd never really given any thought. Really. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I that was a funny episode. I couldn't remember which one it was, but uh, yeah, that we we we're teaching a lot of people about biology here on Knife Talk, ladies and gentlemen. Let's go back to this. How big is a kidney stone? Well, my old coworker brought in one that he I mean it was like oh. a ninja oh star. It was like a ninja star. I mean it oh, was like God. it was I mean they get big. They get I mean I don't know. I, I don't have one, but I haven't had one, but like motherfuckers got big. He brought it in and it was like I mean it was like like a ninja star for a mouse. I mean, it was oh, it was terrible. Terrible. The ClevelandClinic.org says most kidney stones <laughs> are about the size of a chickpea. Also known oh, as black eye oh, dude. Wow, that's a Yowza. That's that would huge. Not they can be as small as a grain of sand. <laughs> and obviously not being passed, but as large as a golf ball. Oh, which is why no. you go in with like ultrasound or laser technology and blast that bitch up. Yeah, we're going to stretch out that dick hole. Oh, <laughs> I'll be spread-eagled on my laser just in oh case God. before I go to the doctors. <laughs> Talk about a Corby bolt. Catch <laughs> this, motherfucker. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. It's good to be back. Oh, <laughs> so funny. Oh, God. Um, we can, all right, so we can go Tough Dilemmas. More listener feedback, more questions. It's up to you guys. Um, you know what we've dilemmas. got. We got good ones. Let's do a tough had, dilemma. Okay, we haven't yeah. had any in a while. Um, yeah. the first one comes from Leonardo Lee. Leonardo Lee, I have a dilemma. I work for a guy who runs a small company, four of us, and it's not a very well-run company. Constantly on the verge of bankruptcy, and we often have to take on new work to pay wages owed from other jobs. And then have to do both jobs at the same time. The boss is a good man and a friend, very knowledgeable about the industry and good at convincing clients to start work. Uh, But because things are poorly run, they're often up very frustrated. I'm effectively the best and most reliable worker, mostly because I show up on time and not high, which... God bless you for that. It's a low bar set. Well, the funny part was is he was it was a it was a it was a real pathetic humble brag. It's like I'm not high and I show up, so I'm the best. I'm the best guy. Uh, So my dilemma is this: Do I stay and put up with the nonsense? The pay is pretty good, but inconsistently spaced. He currently owes me a sizable sum. Do I leave and likely condemn the business to failure? We're in the middle of a huge project, which if it fails will ruin the company. Is there a third option you gents can think of? Cheers from rainy London. I mean, it sounds like he's potentially in a position of leverage, and I don't know. Not if, you're like, in, pe- not if you're fucking, not if you can't, you can't pay. The guy can't pay. No, he's not in a position of leverage either. Right, I guess not. But I was gonna say then, like, if the if the job relies on him that much, he can leverage that against the guy and be like, "Look, 
I need to get fucking paid because I have my own bills. And stuff. I mean, we can't get a, I don't understand these businesses that think they can get away with not paying people. And I know that the money flow is sometimes an issue, but that, that like, how do you expect to retain any employees who you have to take the time to train and everything if if you're not paying them? Yeah. He's got to speak to his boss, hasn't he, and explain that, you know, this can't go on, and he's considering other work somewhere else. And, you know, if this boss has got any any sense about him and he knows that Leonardo's the man and he's the one keeping the business afloat, he'll do all he can to keep him, um, which would mean maybe if Leonardo has ideas how the business could be run, maybe he could sort of adapt some of these ideas, you know? It's got to be a sort of conversation and say, look, maybe I can help, we can sort of do this together kind of thing, or I'm gone, you know? No. It, well, heart, I, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, he doesn't... I, 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 I want to backstep what i was saying just a little bit it sounds like i was trying to say like be threatening and i I don't think you have to be threatening i think the facts are just very straightforward you need to get paid for the work you're doing otherwise you can't keep like why would why would you continue working in a job you're not getting paid for yeah yeah the the i've been involved with a number of small businesses where similar things like this happen and there are certain bosses who are just, they're just, you know, there are certain businesses where it's not just easy. Like a lot of contracting businesses, there's always some negotiations. There's, you know, you're going over your bid, you're going under your bid, you're getting, you know, you're doing well on a job or you're behind on a job. And there's all these weird gray areas. And some of these bosses are, it's like clockwork. It's like every single time. I mean, this is just the, they make decisions, they make bad decisions based on, what they know at the time and it's a cycle of making bad decisions my opinion is is this guy's never going to change and that's just the way it is he's yeah they don't have an, they don't, a lot of these small and frankly i've been in these places where i'm where i'm sympathetic to the bosses um but it gets to the point where as soon as you start to allow them to not pay you and they start to realize that you you really want to be there enough that you'll be okay with it that's when it gets problematic. And I think that, mm. uh, unfortunately, small businesses, you know, aren't, they're not equipped to, to deal with these things. And a little, I mean, look at, other, look at other big jobs where they're laying people off and they're, you know, things aren't going well. And, you know, everyone, the other thing is, is when you're at a job, everyone seems to think that they know better than the boss until they're in the position. I've met so many, in so many welding shops where the guys that I'm working with, they say how much better that they could run the shop. How much better, oh, if, you, if I was running it, things would be different, things would be different. And then they get out of their job, and then it's like they're just sitting on the couch watching Oprah Winfrey. You know, it's like, I mean, I'm serious. I mean, it's like, it's it's easier said than done. Yeah, um, yeah, completely, yeah. But at the but, same time... I mean, time, Leonardo does say that this guy is a friend of his as well, which makes things a little bit more awkward. Um, uh, that's I the... just think you just need to be open with him and explain, yeah, explain to him that this can't go on. If you can help in any way, you've got some ideas, which you clearly have. And if he takes them on board, great. If he doesn't, then he may think, well, now it's time to move on. I think the the, the most important thing is, to, I mean, in my opinion, as I would do, you know what? I, I, don't, I can say that I would try to set boundaries, but I know that I could totally see myself being in the situation and coming home and saying, oh, yeah, he didn't pay me, but he's going to pay me next week. And don't worry, I'm going to make sure. You can go down that hole very easily of like hoping things are going to get straightened away. 
it sucks. It sucks. And it's just like there's millions of businesses out there with millions of assholes, you know, who are just not doing it the way they should be doing it. And, hmm. you know, my move would, my suggestion would be either take it or say, look, I'm going to come back when you finish paying me. You hmm. know, pay me and then I'll consider coming back. But because otherwise, he, this guy's just going to let you do this all the time. You know, right. But he ain't going to get better. That's for sure. No matter how smart he is, if this is the way he runs, this is the way he's always going to run. I don't think people change. Um, okay. Just as a sort of a side thing here. Go ahead. We get a lot of these things. People asking us for quite sort of personal advice. Don't listen to the three of us, really. We do a most, <laughs> We do this show for entertainment purposes. Please don't make life life decisions based we've, on us three idiots. We've Please. had people do that. You know, you know we have had people like... Probably ruined marriages from the advice that we've given them. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ! I'm not, I'm not, you know, saying, saying names, but I'm sure that our we've ruined relationships, we've <laughs> ruined businesses, and we've ruined, uh, we've ruined relationships. So, um, you know, but that, you know, look, that's what you, that's what you get for listening to us. For Christ's sake, I mean, we are the number one knife-related podcast on this germ-infested planet, so we're, of course we're going to ruin some of your relationships. I mean, what do you expect? <laughs> expect, I mean, you know, God. This one comes from LCA Knifeworks. Hey, y'all, I have a dilemma for you. A couple of hitches ago, I had a booth at a craft fair and both uh, and did very well selling my knives and other hand-forged items. A man walked up to the table, an old Southern lawyer type, who knew a little, quote, little. Uh, we talked for a while, and when I'm telling him my sharpening process, he proceeds to ask which of my knives are the dullest. He takes out a bull cutter off the table puts pulls out a 400 grit stone he's carrying in his pocket and he starts raking the knife across the stone oh. i nearly lose it and not so politely tell him to buy the knife if he wants to sharpen it then he can see uh, then how then he can sharpen it how he sees fit or leave the table and don't come back how do you keep them from catching it how do how do you keep from catching a charge as in how do you prevent yourself from getting arrested when someone does something like that i love this i love people to be able to hold my knives they're uh, they are more prone to buy them it makes me want to put a glass case display however uh and i know that that can turn a lot of potential customers into window sharpeners thanks lee guy walks up to the table I watch the table. Grab which one's your dullest one. Let me fix it for you. I'm shaking inside already. I any sort of confrontation, I just, I, I'm terrible. It's a fault of mine. I'll just run in the opposite direction of any sort of confrontation. And if this were to happen, I just, I die. I don't know what I'd do. I, I try and be. I'd probably be so polite to him. You know, whilst you he mean? continues doing it. All right, well, you well, know, this is all I, done. We're to do my it. own detriment. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, I, things what, like this. How polite would you? Let's do cringe. a. Let's do a. Uh, let's talk about it, and then let's do a role play at the end of we talking about it. Because I don't know how polite you're going to possibly be. Okay, so you're going to pull out your your four hundred grit stone. Yeah. I'm okay. Gonna say, I'm going to so, say something like, "Oh, that's a lovely stone." Well, <laughs> well let's do it now. <laughs> let's do it now. Talk about it. That's you, that's you, a lovely stone. I mean. I'd, I'd prefer if you wouldn't, you know, sharpen my knife on on your stone, just because I don't want you to cut yourself here, you know. Well, which one of this? Which one of these is the dullest? Um, I'd like to think they're all they're all quite sharp. Um, I mean, they're all they're all pretty sharp. I don't think any of them need sharp. Well, I'll be the judge of that. Let me pick this one up here, <laughs> boy, and then this ain't so sharp. And then. <laughs> 
now I'm just dying seeing that. And I'm like, wow, you clearly know what you're doing. I'm yeah. not, you know, I'm, I, I'd be, I'd be the worst person in that situation. Don't worry, these thirty-six uh, grit, these thirty-six <laughs> grit scratches are going to help with the food release. Oh, I, I honestly, it, I don't know what I'd do. I'd well, hide under the table and I'd... Really? Oh, I'm, I'm, the, I'm, I'm, a, I'm terrible. Well, what would you do, Mareko, besides... I have no fucking idea. You'd kill somebody. I'd probably be on the verge of killing somebody. Yeah. <laughs> no, obviously that's not... That doesn't merit death or anything like that, but that, I don't know. People's, people's audacity... I th- and it's, it comes back to what we talked about a little while ago, a few episodes back, I believe. People want to be seen as knowing something. They want to be mm. acknowledged for being knowledgeable. Because like, I guarantee that's exactly what that old man is. Which one's your dullest one? I'll help you out. Right. It's like, no, sorry. Get your fucking hands off of stuff. Or at least get your stone off of the knife. I, yeah, I don't know what, what to do in that situation. I'd have to, honestly... I pro- I don't do confrontation very well either, and so I just grit and bear it, and know that this idiot is not going to buy the fucking knife, and just hope for them to get the fuck away from the table as quickly as possible. Reco, there's no way someone's picking up your knife, pulling out a steel, and you're going to let them touch anything. Dude, with, people with are that. fucking idiots. But I you would never I w- do that. You'd never let someone do that. How would I know that that was going to happen? I mean, I would be shouting at them and like, whoa, 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 whoa. Dude, <laughs> You're I not had, touching that knife to a stone. The first time I ever met Jimmy DeResta, he was with one of his goofballs. And I've said this story before. This is with one of his hangers on. And I, you know, and and the first time I met Chris Zepp was there. We were at Maker Fair. And this goofball friend of his picks up two hammers made by Cliff and John oh, with mirror finishes and I'm talking to Jimmy, and I, in my side of my eye, I see this guy pick. He reaches over the guardrail to the table, picks the two hammers up, and starts banging them together. I lit <laughs> like a this caveman. I lit this <laughs> bam, guy bam. up. I lit this. I mean, it wasn't mine, but I was furious. Right. And I lit this guy up, and I said, in front of Jimmy, I never met the guy. I never. I said, what the fuck are you doing? I mean, I lit him up, and Jimmy's <laughs> talked on my podcast about it, and he's like, yeah, that's exactly what happened. I said, what are you doing? And he goes, I want to see how hard they are. Oh. And I said, they're fucking hard. They're the forging hammers. hammers. <laughs> they're mere finish. They're mere faces. They're hard. You don't need to. Do, you never hit. You never hit hammers against each other. And I fucking tore. I tore, I tore this dude up. And then Jimmy turns this guy, embarrassed, humiliated, and he says, "Am I gonna have to put you in the car?" <laughs> and, and like really bad. It was really bad. Am I gonna have to put you in the car? And then and then John Ariani thinks John Ariani says, "Yeah, Jimmy gonna Jimmy gonna put put some put him in the fucking cement shoes and dump him off into the queen to the Queen's River." He thought you know he gonna, he got ice this guy. This guy's gonna get whacked. Jimmy is gonna whack this guy. But people don't really. He thought he knew better, and he you know you don't. People just they think that. He was with Jimmy. He thought, well, if I'm with Jimmy, I can do whatever the fuck I want. And I fucking tore this dude. And the picture, if you if you look at the Full Blast podcast on Instagram, there's a picture of me and Jimmy and Chris. And then the guy on the end looks like he had a, like a beaten dog. And that was him. <laughs> the picture's unbelievable because I just whooped this guy's ass. And Jimmy whooped this guy's ass. So I'm going to put you in the Time car like a, a dog. <laughs> and I still take a picture together. 
and it fucking he looked like he got his ass kicked. It was great. Um, but people have people have. I mean, that's I. You know, at Maker Camp, I really was afraid that people were going to grab the friction folders I had, and I made some plastic. I made some acrylic, some bullshit acrylic cases, but it did the trick. People weren't picking anything up. They would mm. have had to reach from behind yeah. to get them, and they couldn't. And it's called a reach around. Yeah, called a re- there you go, ladies and gentlemen. It's called a reach around. That's correct. That is correct. And um, they couldn't reach around, so it was it worked out perfectly for me. But I, frankly, my and when I first met Mareko, first time I ever met him at Blade Show, he wanted me. I said I don't touch, and I it's, I just don't. I out of respect, I just don't want to do something or drop something or do something that I'm gonna offend the maker or do something that would be detrimental to the sale of their knife. I don't touch. And I, th- I think what we just said there about people wanting to show their sort of, that they know what they're doing, their sort of expertise. I think that's very much a sort of a man thing. And I think particularly with, you know, what we do is seen as quite a, quite a sort of masculine thing. So I can imagine when a bunch of guys are together in that sort of environment, surrounded by tools and that kind of thing, they're all just, yeah, they're all trying to sort of find out who's the alpha, all that kind of stuff. Right. You know, I, I can see it, yeah. Yeah, are you calling the other people standing around tools or the actual tool well, tools? Well, yeah, either way, t- yeah, yeah, okay. either way. They all, I mean, they're sitting at home watching Forge and Fire talking to their kid and their dog about how much better they can do, <laughs> they can do it than the guy on the yeah. show. Uh, yeah, he's yeah. doing it wrong. You're talking to your six-year-old kid saying, oh, he's doing it wrong. You see how he's quenching like that? You know, he's like trying to be fucking tough in front of his kid. He's going to show up to you and he's going to, you know, bring out the, you know, 36 grit and try to help you out. Perfect. That's I the perfect people. yeah analogy of it all. I fucking hate people. I mean, it's like it's literally <laughs> we're fighting a losing battle, guys. I mean, it's just like Craig is Craig has said it from day one. People, yeah. you know, it's yeah. there. It's you just. I God bless anyone who does a boo booth and allows people to touch their shit. I would lose my fucking. Mind. I, at Maker Camp, someone stole one of my hats. Somebody oh. like just decided to steal some shit. So people are the worst, you know. Uh, anyway, let me tell everybody, especially our Canadian friends, about MaritimeKnifeSupply.com. They're also Maritime Knife Supply on Instagram. Um, they are the place to get your, well, everything you need. Um, belts, uh, steel, handle materials, tools, forges, even kilns, everything that you need. Um, they're the Canadian distributor for combat abrasives as well, which we all love. And they sell Rhino Wet and Rhino Stick. They've got it all. Uh, Lawrence is a good dude too. Uh, so head on over, MaritimeKnifeSupply.com. They've got always got deals on belts where you get 10% off if you buy 10, all that kind of stuff. Um, go take a look. And, you know, even if you're not in Canada, apparently you can make a saving um, by, yeah, getting it over the border in some sort of... I'm not saying it's illegal. I'm not saying... I don't know what it is, but um, there's some sort of workaround. So, yeah, go take a look. MaritimeKnifeSupply.com. There's, no there's no workaround. It's all kosher. Oh, Everything's fine. Is it really? I yeah, I, listen, every time you say something, he sends me a message. <laughs> Don't, it's fine. Everything's fine with Maritime Knife Supply. And they have, he let me know. <laughs> I get confused every time. I don't I, I know Canada isn't in America, but it's this, It's on the same, con- I don't know what's going on there. We're, are we back to kidney up, stones guys. coming out of your butt situation? Your mind up. <laughs> is this the same thing? Kidney <laughs> stones coming out of your butt? You yeah, don't know Canada's up north of us? <laughs> and just to let you know, uh, Maritime Knife Supply does have brooches. They do have file te- uh rockwell testers they uh little ones from matt parkinson they have well, books anything you want he probably has it or if he doesn't have it he'll probably get it so cool maritime supply 
I have another anonymous tough dilemma that I like, if you guys want. This one is anonymous. Hey, guys, I want to say that I love the show, and it sounds like three normal guys shooting the shit with great information. Eh, fine. <laughs> we're, we're doing a good <laughs> shit. We're trying our best. We're trying to educate you motherfuckers about where your, where your kidney stones come out of. Uh, <laughs> here's the dilemma, and I'm going to leave this vague. What would you do if you think another maker is claiming to have made a Damascus knife, and after you see it, it looks like somebody else's steel mind you the makers claiming to have made the steel you only have a picture and it doesn't seem like what it is in person do you ask for specifics or do you keep it to yourself so he sees a knife he looks at it he completely knows that this guy did not make this steel for whatever reason what do you do I mean, part of me is thinking if you're not going to buy it, it's none of your business. But it, but it is really, isn't it? If he if he's trying to pull the wool over other people's eyes, um, I think yeah, you need to you need to just question about it. Say that you know that looks cool. That looks awfully like X maker's knife, um, or you know steel. Um, yeah, and just see what the reaction is. Really, I suppose. Well, it might not be like design. I mean, let's not just start calling people and saying, you know, I'm not saying designs. I, I was trying to be vague in regards to where the Damascus came from. It doesn't see it. Basically, what he's saying is this particular steel that he's claiming to have made looks like it, it was bought. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. It's, I mean, what, what can you do? It's, you know, if you're not buying it yourself, there's not really much you can do. And if you think that it's not what you think it is, don't buy it. As simple as that, I think. What do you yeah. think, Mareko? I mean, I guess I would try to understand why this person wants to kind of intervene. Is it just to make the other person look idiot, look like an idiot, or just to create some sort of transparency? Because, yeah, at what point, like, is it necessary to, to be, like, the transparency police? Um, and honestly, like... If you're like we we know people who sell steel all over the place like damn steel obviously is great oh sorry I just punched the microphone um pumped but, up about damn steel live next week I got really excited um but like people like our 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 like Bob Rankin and Salem Straub and Baker Knife and Tool, like they all sell steels that they manufacture themselves. I and, and ideally, if you're if you're making a knife from a steel like that, like ho- hopefully you're buying it from a credible, cre- cre- credible enough of a manufacturer that when you say, "Oh, this, I made this knife from steel manufactured by Salem Straub," that it adds a little bit of a little extra something to somebody and uh, or to the potential client. And if you're buying some shady ass steel, then. <laughs> I don't know why, one, why you would want to spend the money on it. Obviously, maybe for the aesthetic quality. Um, but two, it's just like, also, why would you want to claim that as your own? Um, but at the same time, it is very possible for people to follow a recipe and make, the you know, people like Salem do teach classes. Jason Morrissey teaches classes. A lot of people teach classes on how to make Damascus. Bill Burke teaches classes. And the thing a lot of people do after they take a class is they turn around and regurgitate exactly what they had just learned. And they'll do it probably for a while until they finally like either decide to settle on something else or figure out a way to tweak the pattern a little bit to kind of make it their own. Um, so that is also not uncommon either, but, um, 
I don't know. If you're but buying then, steel, hopefully you're buying it from somebody who does a good enough job that you're excited to promote and say, I got this. I made this knife out of some Salem Straub steel um, or Bob Rankin steel. And um, and people are going to be like, oh, wow, that's great. That's very cool. I I feel good about that because I, I, either they know about Salem or somebody else or they honestly, they also don't, but potentially couldn't. But I think it's important that yeah, just having that transparency. And but at the same time, if you're not going to ultimately buy the thing like Craig was saying, like you're just being like a weird like knife Karen in a way. <laughs> knife Karen. Ooh, a knife Karen. Ooh, a knife Karen. I love a knife Karen. A knife Karen. There are a lot of knife Karens out there. There are a lot of knife Karens out there. Yeah. Um I I I years ago a friend of mine came and he he wanted to bring in his knives to show me, and he brought. He was very proud of a Bowie knife that he got from uh, a um, a knife, uh, you know, a small knife convention, and he was proud that he paid seventy five dollars for it. And it's Damascus, and he showed it to me, and it was a total banana. And you could see, like, and I'm not Mister Damascus, but at the same time, I can I know when I see where the where a mig welder has been you know i can tell when mm. you know that there's like mig weld in in there and i was looking at it and this guy didn't care and he didn't know and he didn't he's not a connoisseur and he was glad to get a deal and he knows that he got damascus and wherever it came from he didn't really care he didn't really know and there are there are people who are that way it's the same as the dude who brought the you know try to sharpen someone's knife there are people out there who they don't know, they don't care, and they want to be involved. And, you know, you can target those people with a better deal on knives. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's part of the whole this whole custom knife game is there are some people who are, you know, you're, you're, you're buying knives from some people because the price is right. And, and, you know, why is the price right? And what are the reasons? And if it's Damascus, what are the reasons? And maybe you can look past the fact that this came from some, you know, like, you know, dump whatever but i mean i'm still getting past knife karens i was actually going to talk about knife karens um <laughs> that's I ha- making the title this week so this week's title i think so far is butt caps tang nuts and knife karens oh that's a good one dude that might be your that might be your best nut title some of them best work yet that's yeah. a good title what would be a night <laughs> let's let's have a little game right now let's finish the show off with a game about what would you refer to as and who would be fit under the actually you know what let's throw this out to the audience what would be what would who would fall under not who specifically well what kind of characteristics would fall under being a knife karen a knife <laughs> karen and i'll start off by saying i once i was talking to a guy who was bitching about business in knife business and he says to me well i i should have been you know next time i'll be the son of a rich person you know blaming the fact you know basically saying that the people who are doing well in this business are 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 uh you know trustafarians you know you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying like they're they come yeah. from the trust funds that would be a knife karen someone who blames people's <laughs> success on the fact that their you know their parents were wealthy yeah Oh, I could I could do that if only if I didn't have to do this first or something. Yes, right. Yeah. I love a knife, Karen. Well, what would you <laughs> give me some knife, Karen? What would you What would be a knife, Karen, Rebecca? Oy, oy, oy. Um, is that forged? Isn't even forged. It's not even forged. <laughs> <laughs> not even forged. So, you know who's a knife, Karen? Nate Zimmerman's a knife, Karen. <laughs> 
<laughs> just kidding, Nate. Just don't fucking start sending messages. This isn't gonna be another fucking thing. But uh, uh, that would be good if it was forged. Knife yeah. Karen. Knife Karen. Nice. Love knife Karen. We love it. We love it. Okay, should we call it a day? No, you got to come up with a knife, Karen. Yeah, I, I can't think of a I'm knife, spot, Karen. Though. I can't. No. Oh well, uh, I had a knife, Karen. I was at a charity event this past week, and this guy said to me, "He's like, oh, your colors are fine, but you should be just making wood not wood handled knives." <laughs> I'm fucking knife, Karen. It's a knife, Karen. Sticking your nose into other people's business is a knife, Karen. Okay, next week I'm gonna have a bunch of knife, Karens. I like yeah, this. this and is the a listeners, new sh- a new a new part. Yeah. This is a new bit. What is who would fall into? Should the- we ask the audience too? We, of yeah. course, ask the audience. Write in what you would the kind of person that would fall under a knife, Karen. And let's be let's not be specific. About yeah, people. Don't let's not call people start, out. Yeah, don't say like Jeff just did. Nate you know, that's a bit more tact than Zimmerman. that. <laughs> You know, what I love, we can, you can't think of anything off the spot. I bet I can just give me a second. Don't we have any, don't we have an ad to run? We got to do Damasteel. Well, well, I'll tell everybody what we're doing for Damasteel next week. So it is the Damasteel Chef Invitational. Um, I believe it's, let me just check the date. Cause I'm not sure it's next week, you know. Let me just check. It should be the 12th. This is, this is good. <laughs> good day day here. All right. Well, we're, I mean, for God's sakes, we're coming up with. a quick Google. Invitational. Here we go. If you don't know what the Darmasteel uh, Chef Invitational is, they do it every year. It's it's great where they they have great makers that are using Darmasteel. They put up their knives in certain categories. People vote for it. But we always do a live show for it, and um, it's always good fun. And it is. It's November the twelfth. Um, so um, nine p.m. Um, CET, which is Central European Time, uh, November twelfth. Um, so that's going to be around about sort of 4 p.m. New York time. That's sort of 3 p.m. New York time. Just have a, have a check on your calendars. Um, but, yeah, it's always, always good, good fun. So we, we get we get the other makers coming in. And it's all video as well, so you can watch it live. Um, it's really interactive. Ask us questions and have fun with us. Ask the other makers questions as well, which is always good. And just come and just see some of the work that these people are doing because they're making incredible, incredible stuff with Dharma Steel. Um, and we all know that it's you know it's special stuff. It's it's high end stuff. Um, and yeah, we can get you discount too if you go to darmasteel.se and set up an account. If you use Knife Talk on checkout, you'll get ten percent off off your purchase, and that can be quite a significant saving. But um, yeah, go take a look. The Darmsteel Lab on Instagram too. So you'll see the kind of stuff that you'd see for the Chef Invitational. Um, but it, it, it's always good. I mean, Fingal will be there. He'll be drunk within 10 minutes of the show starting because he'll sell out his knives. Sells in five <laughs> and drunk in 10. Exactly. Sells in five, drunk in 10. That's his game. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's always a good always a good show. So we'll post in the week how you can watch it. And um, I'll post the link on how you can register. Because it's free. It's free to attend. It's a virtual event. Absolutely free. But you do need to register. Um, so I'll put that link in the description here. So make sure you, you click through. And register for it. And honestly, come and join us because we have it. It's the highlight of the year for me. If oh, by a mile! Because we just have so much fun. It's always good. I have some knife Karens. So Go for can, it. All right, like when the person says, when the person, says, if I had that, if I had all your tools, I could make those knives. Yep, that's, that's a, Karen. a knife Karen. That's yeah. a knife Karen. If, oh, if only I had a power hammer, then I could forge Damascus. Yeah, that's yeah. a knife Karen. I love, I love the knife Karens. 
<laughs> so easy. It's as he's shooting a fish in a barrel. Just basically yeah. give me your asshole, and, and I'll tell you you're a nice. It's quite okay. No, thank you. <laughs> so listen in the com- in the comments on this Instagram post, which if you've taken a link from this to go and listen to the podcast, send us your knife Karens, examples of knife Karens. That could be fun. In the DMs, put them in, in the, the DMs. DMs. It's more fun yes. that way because yeah. you guys, some of you guys are. You guys start fights in the comments. I don't want that. Really? Oh, <laughs> okay. So you gotta, you gotta deal with these guys. You put them in. Everything goes in the DMs. <laughs> it goes in the show. It goes in the DMs. You put it in the comments, you get nothing. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, it's been nice to come back after my little break. Um, we started off very seriously. Uh, we soon got back into the swing of things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a good show. Um, thank you all for listening. Um, we shall speak to you all again. Uh, bright and early next Monday. Is this the after show now? This is the after show, yeah. So for the Damascene invitation, it'll be Saturday. Yes. And I cannot wait. I cannot yeah. wait. So I think it's the same time for you guys. Three o'clock. Cent- yeah. Central okay. European time is an hour before here. Uh, so I think it'll be the same time. Yeah. Now we're going to be... Wait, three o'clock what? Eastern? Eastern standard. So, so the time oh, so our normal recording time. Right. I see. Yes. Right. Okay, yeah. right. And oh, god damn. So we're gonna do video feed again, right? It's video, yeah. So I'll do I'll, I'm doing a trial run with them again this week. Um we've got a schedule of roughly when people will be joining us, but it's gonna be very loose again like last time. And um Yeah, and Dharma Steel, they've got something big to announce as well. I don't even know what that is yet. They're gonna tell me this week. They were very secretive when I spoke last week about it. Um and they've put a lot of hard work in again, so it's gonna be fun. I hope they let me submit my submit my knife. I haven't heard a thing. They said they would. They sent me a piece of steel to fix the piece of steel that didn't work yeah. out. But I mean, you know, I want to. I want to. Yeah, you'll be. You're going to be brown bagging it. <laughs> no, not brown bag. No, I want to. I want to <laughs> compete. I want to compete for fuck's sake. I need. I need. I need. A, I need a one win. You know. Yeah. So yeah. I'll, when I speak to him this week, I'll, I'll. I'll. I'll say yeah. Yeah. I'll make it happen. But uh. Of yeah. Oh god damn! This is so fun. I just remember it, the funniest part. I, there's. Every episode is fun, but the one, the funniest part, and you couldn't see it when you listened back, was the guy who kept muting himself every time he came back on, and he was just pulling his fucking hair out, and it was so funny. Oh. Remember that? Yeah, he's, he was, um, he's he was there a, in Den, or he was like in Denmark or something like that. He was that. An, yeah. an incredible knife maker, too. Oh, yeah. Are, yeah. These are no fucking slouches, and he's just like ripping his goddamn hair out because he can't figure yeah. out a way to, to hear anything. Yeah. And that's another thing, great thing about the show because, I mean, this is a bit of a community here with this podcast and we generally know each other. We've seen each other's work. Um, but when we do um, the, the Chef Invitational, we see work from people, you know, we'd never sort of heard of. And it's, yeah, and some of it is always, well, it's always special stuff. So it's going to be fun. Will you Definitely. be back in your studio? I will be, yeah. So I'm traveling back, I think, Wednesday um yeah i think wednesday i'll be back in back in france so yeah I'll didn't you have like some sort of like light show the last time there's one year didn't you do like some like light show with celebrations and stuff like that that or? was when i was in my old studio before we moved yeah. house yeah because i had like led lighting in there so yeah. we were at the end of a, <laughs> bit of a disco yeah I think <laughs> a fucking great show i'm gonna wear i'm gonna wear a jacket and tie <laughs> oh, nice. we, we should we should dress I will, up that i will be, quite... be in the car with a jacket and tie you can guarantee it and nothing nice, under okay. and then nothing from the waist down dick out <laughs> dick out, uh, dick I've, out. Got, I've got <laughs> dick out <laughs> i'll have i'll have t- 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 tucks and tails and dick out yeah I, i've <laughs> got to put pear on the spot again because <laughs> i've managed to do the last two years 
because uh, they've asked me to like to, <laughs> like the introduction to come on to the like to the, onto the oh, main boy. stage thing. So I need to think what I can do. Oh and, yeah. God, you fucking twist him so hard every single time. It's hilarious. <laughs> you P.S. I love. I, I don't know. Think we can? Do we even? I don't remember in the last ones if you were able to kind of like record that how you do such a good job with him because he's he's always so slightly nervous. You know what I mean? Well, he's got a lot on. It's I mean, technically as well, there's a lot to do as well. So, you know, they've got their hands tied there. But he's always good sport. He's, he's great. Good I tell you yeah. what, every knife show should, I mean, Blade should do this. Because mm. you get guys from the Philippines, Australia, all over the United States and Europe and Canada, all over the world. Mm-hmm. And it's such great technology, and it's just like it's such a fucking great event. And the the best part is, is because you record it, Craig, and we put it on as a podcast. Mm-hmm. It's so much more interesting. It's yeah. so much more interesting. Yeah. No, it's good. I'm looking forward to oh, it. A highlight of the year for me, besides the All Beef Review. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh God, damn! The All Beef Review is coming up, guys. We're in November. Do you know what? Seven weeks till Christmas. It's mental. Oh, shit. If, guys, we got to get the all beef review started right now. So if you're listening <laughs> to this podcast, sick. you have to send me your fucking beefs. <laughs> we need yeah. the all beef review. This has got to be the best all beef review of all time. So, Karen, I'm taking knife Karens and beefs. <laughs> taking all beef review, including knife Karens. Nice. So send in your all beef review into the demo, uh, into the DMs, and then headline, you have to put it all for the all beef review. So I got to yeah. start promoting that because, god damn. You think about the first all beef review he had. Do you remember that one guy who one guy who was like, "Oh, fucking Mary Poppins." I remember. <laughs> yes, do you remember that yes, guy? Yes. Fucking out, Captain. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, yeah. The, I have. We've had. If somebody <laughs> ever did a highlight reel of this show, we could easily have two, two or three hours of just of me wheezing and snorting, wheezing <laughs> laughter, wheezing with laughter. God damn. That would be an awesome show, yeah. So, yeah. if you're listening to this and you want to put together a, a highlight reel, send do it. We'll Go hook for you it. up. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. So, what, what's been going on? What you w- listening to? What you watching? What's oh. happening in the in the world? What, what's going on, Rick? What are you listening to? Uh, what am I listening to? Uh, I just finished an audio book called "Raising Good Humans," um, which is pretty good. Uh, talking about like kind of your own like how uh, each parent brings their own past experience and their own shit from their upbringing and stuff to, you know, raising kids and stuff. And so they're taking that in consideration and ways to work through and mitigate some of the issues you might be uh, struggling with uh, or past, I guess, uh, what do they call them? Not traumas, but I mean, there might be some past traumas, but also just, past um like ways of op- modes of operating and 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 breaking kind of like those god i can't think of the fucking cycles, word right cycle cycles. yeah not i wanted to say tradition but it's not a tradition yeah. in a positive way <laughs> yeah. yeah tradition that's a huge... shut the fuck up <laughs> breaking that's my the... dad did it his father did it and i'm damn sure gonna do it that's, yeah that's huge <laughs> Breaking the yeah. cycle is a huge thing. Yeah, yeah. Breaking the cycle. So uh, it's been it's it's a good book. It's an easy listen and probably an easy read. It's short, but it's it's packed with a lot of really good imp- uh, info. Um, so anybody who might be interested in something like that, 
yeah, uh, Raising Good Humans is a good audiobook. What are we watching? We're watching The She-Hulk on Disney+. Plus. We just started also watching Andor, um, which is also on Disney+, Plus, uh, which is one, another one of the Star Wars prequels. And what else are we doing? Oh, we, we started watching, um, what is that, on Netflix, the Vikings series um, that follows, like, the stuff from History Channel. Um, yeah, what is it? History Channel closed it down, and then Netflix picked up and kind of where they left off and started a new series um, with, like, Leif Erikson and stuff like that. Um, hmm. That's where we're at. Cool. I'll tell you what I've watched, um, which you mentioned a few weeks ago, The Watcher. Um, I think Marekko, you watched, you mentioned it, didn't you? A few weeks no. ago, I no. thought you had. No. Oh, all oh, right, The Watcher. Um, it's good. It's uh, Naomi Watts, and who's the husband? I, I can't think of the husband's name. He's been in loads of things, uh, but basically, it's a true story about um, people buying a house. I think it was in Minnesota. Okay. And um, all these crazy things start happening in the house, and it turns out the people who sold the house, they didn't disclose it, and they took him to court and all the rest of it. But it's, it's really good. It's, really, it's, it's a bit of a letdown at the ending, but it's, uh, the build-up is really good. Very good. Is it Bobby Cannavale? I don't know his name. Big Italian-American. Yeah. yeah. He yeah. looks like the brother of um, oh, something else. The other Italian <laughs> dude? Yeah. <laughs> hey, what, yo! Hey, yo! <laughs> yeah. They all look the same. What's that? What's oh, that Jesus! American show from, like, the 90s. Sopranos? Uh, Raymond. Everyone loves Raymond. He looks like the brother from that. Uh, everyone, yeah. he loves Raymond. Yeah. <laughs> well, baseball season's officially over. World Series was was great. And unfortunately, the fucking Astros won. So I'm, shoot, I'm sending you out a... Uh, sending congratulations to Nick Key. He's a listener to the podcast, and he's, a, he's also on Shop Sounds. He's a big Houston Astros fan, so... Fuck you, Nick. And, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. But uh, actually, the Philadelphia Phillies did an awesome job, and I'm actually going to have uh, Jesse Killian and Butch Sullivan on Full Blast Podcast this week, and we're going to talk about Philadelphia. We're going to talk about the Phillies. We're going to talk about their knife making, and that was a it was a great World Series. It was an awesome baseball season. The season was really awesome. A lot of letdowns, but it was a lot of fun. And uh, I'm kind of sad it's all over, to be honest with you. But today was the New York City Marathon. So my wife and I have been watching the New York City Marathon for years. And I did it nine years ago. So we watched this morning, and it was great. It was, awesome, it was super hot out. Which There's one guy who was um, in first place. And then, oh, poor fucking guy. You know, when you're running 26 miles, sometimes you got to go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. So they're mm-hmm. the lead car. So you're you're the lead guy, and then you see him kind of clutch his stomach and run to a porta potty. Oh boy! Oh, the lead no. car stops. The cameraman stops, oh, and then no. the people talking say, "Well, you know, sometimes you gotta go to the bathroom." And then I'm talking to my wife. I'm like, "I'm saying, hey, Hill." He's the leader. He went to the shitter. He went to the bathroom. <laughs> and so then all of a sudden you're watching this guy and you're thinking you're, in your mind, the first thing you're thinking of is, well, how long is he going to be in there? And then you can gain if he's going to take a leak or he's going to take a shit. He's you, taking a shit. You Definitely. have no idea. So the, the mental clock, countdown clock is like, <laughs> they have the camera on the porta potty. This is the number oh, one guy. The countdown. <laughs> There's a mental countdown of them. They're saying, well, you know, sometimes it happens. There are, there are runners who say, if you have to pee, just pee. 
Yeah, just pee exactly. while you're yeah, running. Sure. And, and if you're leading the marathon, you just pee, surely. Well, this dude clutched his stomach, put oh, the leader no. ran in the bathroom, and I said, it's not looking good, Hill. And then you're counting down because you're just like, and then as he gets out faster than you think, and then my wife turns to me and goes, well, he clearly didn't wipe. I mean, there's just oh. no way. There's oh, no way. And he keeps going, and he keeps going, and then he starts to kind of falter and then he ended up passing out so that's because oh, he didn't wipe yeah he, he was running with mud well in his he might have had he might have had <laughs> it might have been dehydration most likely but it was really kind of sad to see this dude who was like he had a pretty good lead too yeah. but he oh. was probably i would say 17 miles in when i mean he had a pretty commanding lead and then bathroom and as soon as you went to the bathroom you're just like yeah shit isn't elite <laughs> if you're going to the porta potty <laughs> it's hard to be elite when you got to go to the porta potty yeah. in the middle of a marathon poor guy for but the whole uh world watching oh god you're just just like oh the cameraman's just pointing at it. what is the cameraman <laughs> supposed to do you're point there's nobody else there he's the lead guy you're pointing at the fucking shit <laughs> the producer you can he's the producer's in his ear just stay on the porta potty cut to somebody up well there's no other car i mean you're you're at the right. you're with the you're with the elite pack. What do you do? So he steps out of the porta potty and he's like wafting around his nose. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I give it five minutes before going in there, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you see you see him waving in front of his ass. He goes, "Oh, that feels so much better." But it clearly he had. Well, he had he obviously. I mean, you can tell because another you know five minutes later he fucking dropped on the he dropped on the street and then all mm, these police wow. were trying to resuscitate him and Hillary's just like, "Yeah, boy." I'd, dehydration so he must have had explosive diarrhea and then try to keep going and it wasn't happening for poor bastard and oh. he's gonna go down the history in the annals of history as, as, <laughs> as, ding, ding. as not having making it but uh it was fun to watch anyway and seeing the different parts of the new york city marathon so yeah i won't do it again nice nice hmm. well okay that's a show thank you all for listening again um yeah, keep track of us on Instagram this week because we're going to put more details of the Dharma Steel Chef Invitational. But I will put that link in the bottom there so you can you can sign up so you're all set, ready to go. Um, and we look forward to seeing you, actually seeing you. And you can see us, you poor bastards, next week. Bye for now. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.